Hi, this is the Realtors Playbook, and my name is Debbie Lucci, and I'm here today with Matt Woody. We work for uh, William Ravis Realtors, and uh, we each have our own teams, and we're here today to talk about the cost it's going to be if you wait to buy a house. And Matt's got some great examples uh, of sales that he's done. So Matt, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know what you have. They're pretty black and white answers. They are, yeah. So the common question we're getting on the buy side is, is there's about buyers that are, are telling us, we're, we're just going to wait. We're going to wait for the rates to drop. And, um, you know, we're going to wait till it drops to six and, and maybe five, and then we'll jump back in. And I, I said that that all makes a lot of sense, assuming prices stay the same, which I know you're going to talk about in, in a few minutes. So I recently sold a property. It actually just closed on Monday. OK, I closed on Monday. I was the listing agent and I happened to have sold these people the house two years ago. So let's pretend they waited. So they ended up purchasing two years ago at $560,000. And they just sold a few days before Thanksgiving for $650,000 in a multiple offer situation. And it was an all cash offer and no contingencies. Wow. So $90,000 difference. So if these people, for whatever reason, let's say, you know, back then the rates were four and they said, you know, we're going to wait until they drop back to three percent. We're going to sit and wait. A potential $90,000 loss just like that. And that's just a real world example. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we had, um, we have a mortgage broker we do a lot of business with uh, came in our office and he said, when the rate drops 1%, 5 million new buyers enter the buyer pool. So you've got more competition if you wait for something like that. I mean, you know, I, I know like, and I, we've said this before and I, you know, people my age will always say this I mean, the rates were a lot higher when we were younger. And I know, you know, I can hear my son saying, but mom, the prices were so much cheaper than I know, but the wages were so much cheaper than too. So right. it's all kind of relevant, but, um, you know, you, you can always refinance, but right now, if you, if you get out there on the market and they're predicting, I mean, and we don't have a crystal ball that the prices are still going to continue to go up, you can always refinance. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, you 100%. know, why, why wait? Yeah. hundred percent. So it, I read a great uh, social media post and it was posted by a bunch of different people. And it stated that in 1978, if, if you said to yourself, look, I'm going to wait for the rates to drop and then jump back in the market, you would have waited till 1994, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So you just really don't know. And, 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 and in that time, you know that it hit somewhere around 19%, right in the low, in the early eighties, somewhere around that. I, yes, that's, I think, I think I bought, I, first, I bought my first home in 1982. So <laughs> peak, uh, yeah. Peak of the rate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably thought you had a great rate at the time, or maybe not so much, but. Well, I, I remember um, scrambling and, and, and trying to get um, paperwork together for my husband at that time to refinance the house because we were at 11% rate and it dropped to seven. And this was on an investment property that he had had with his cousin. And I was like, oh, my God, please refinance that that rent that rental property that you have. But it was 11% at that time. So uh, and, you know, it went down to seven to, to us. That was a bargain. Right, right. 
Definitely. And and probably the competition one is, wasn't as high. Once it dropped to 7%, what did you see in the market? At that time, you know, it's funny. I, I, I wasn't selling real estate, so I didn't pay attention to the market as much. And, you know, I've, and I've actually said this to my team before. There's not one decision that I've ever made buying a property that's been because of the market. It's all been personal. Every purchase has been personal. You know, I, you know, I, I, I moved out of my parents' house. I, you know, then I got married and th then I had children and, and then, you know, I needed a bigger house because, you know, the kids were growing up. And then, uh, I got to a point that, you know, I, I downsized. So it, nothing had to do, uh, with what it was more actually, if you really think about financially and personally, what was going on with me, like I looked at the big house and I'm like, why do I want all this maintenance? Why do I need all this space? I don't. So I cut it all back. And so it cost me a lot less money to hold a small condo than it does, you know, the, the, the house, you know, the yeah. 3000 square foot house. Yeah. That's a good point is it's, it's mm -hmm. the life changes that, that, that really are going to push people one way or the other. All right. Yeah. So like, like I'm living in Boston. Okay. So I was saying this to somebody the other day, you know, if, if you're in your 30s in Boston and you're used to renting, all right, or you have a, a condo, you can maybe have one kid and you're pulling that carriage up the stairs. Mm -hmm. You have two kids. It's almost like I feel like flipping out business cards as I'm driving down the street. You can see it. They're the next buyers that are going to probably come out to the suburbs. Oh, yeah. And they're going to think they saved money with the, with the pricing, the prices they're paying. Right. Exactly. Right. No, but so, I, I, I see, you know, I see no reason to wait. If you've got personal situations that it's to your benefit in the long run, like if you if your family is growing, why would you stay in a house that, that is so small that you can't fit everybody and you're not comfortable waiting for the rates to come down? Buy the house you want. Wait till the rate goes down. The prices on the house that you you were going to buy was going to were, were going to go up. Now you can lock in a cheaper rate, so you're actually ahead of the game. Definitely, definitely. And this is the time I'm telling. I tell people I make videos. Videos probably coming soon, like this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, anytime people are distracted, it, it seems like it's a great opportunity. And a lot of stuff hasn't come on the market, but there's a lot sitting right now that just they came out way too high. Mm -hmm. And they're just rotting on the market. And, and, and now is the time to put in the offer that you feel comfortable with and get the contingencies. Because I told you that amazing story about the house that just sold and, and they made $90,000, but real estate's not a Disney movie. And, and I have a listing that we couldn't get rid of, you know, so we ended up having to price reduce it. And it's, it's now under contract, but it wasn't a bidding war. And, you know, just a year ago, we would have thrown that on and we would have had five offers in a four, in 48 hour period. Right. I mean, it's almost odd. One of my agents called me the other day uh, and she said to me, um, she put an offer on this property and she almost didn't believe the listing agent when she, the listing agent said we had a multiple offer situation, this and that. And I said, you know, it's like blips where that's still happening, but the, you know, the, the home inspections are back. The, the contingencies are back right now. And I always told my son, you know, um, I think the fall market is a great time to buy, especially like right now. If you've yeah. got sellers out there right now, they want to sell. They want to sell. Right. right. And you have less and you do. We're going back to seasonal markets. You know, during COVID, you know, nobody nobody cared about the holidays. They were like they just kept buying property. But we're going back to a more traditional market where 
especially now with Thanksgiving hitting all the way through, like, let's say Christmas and New Year's, mm -hmm. people aren't paying attention. It's the perfect time to buy a house. Yeah, no question. No question. And, and, and speaking of COVID, I had a second example that I wanted to share with you. So during COVID, um, I represented the buyer on a purchase in, in Cape Cod which is um, south of here. It's a kind of a vacation spot. Um, they have some seasonal homes, but some, uh, you know, full-time residents as well. And that property was purchased for $300,000 and it is now valued at 625,000. So depending on where you buy, you know, um, you, you could get these massive surges. So Cape Cod has a lot of, uh, uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York money coming in that way. So you're not even just competing with Massachusetts. Right. And I think, you know, there's so there's there's a couple of towns we we really watch locally a lot. And two of those towns, the inventory actually is up a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit in comparison to last year. So everybody thinks that there's no houses on the market at all. I mean, there are houses on the market and we watched as one town, the inventory is actually a little tighter, but so you have to really kind of go on a case by case basis. Yeah, That's for sure. The towns are towns are all over the place and there's not a lot of, uh, I will be honest, there's not a lot of growth that's like that from, from March, 2020, where you'd say that property doubled in value, but there are outliers. I mean, we saw one we saw one locally in Andover on Walcott and that that surged big time. And that was purchased just a few years ago for 700. And that ended up closing, um, I believe, for the second time this year for one four. So that was kind of an outlier. Yeah. But imagine again saying, hey, you know, we're going to wait a little bit, you know, kind of get things settled. You know, we have the money with the down payment, but we're just going to watch the market. If we were all that smart, you know, not to offend anyone, we would do that with the stock market, right? I just, I'm just going to watch and wait. And it's so unpredictable. Right. But you know what it is? I, I mean, these, it, it, it's funny, my, my son and I have these big conversations on the playground when the, when the, when the grandchildren are out and, you know, he's just not used to it. They're not used to these interest rates and they think that, that they're really high. And it's funny when I had the conversation with him and he really looked back over time these rates aren't really high right now. For him, they're high because, you know, he's 35 years old and he's seen, really seen the COVID rates. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but it, it, overall, over time, it, they're really not high rates. So, I mean, I think especially the next few weeks, I think it's always been a great time to uh, purchase a house. Yeah, it's so funny how, how quickly you forget, right? Like I remember $20,000, you'd get a nice, like brand new car, like right off the lot. And I was talking to a team member, um, some of the team members that are a little bit older than I am that have already purchased cars for their children. And I was gonna get looking to get my son a used car. And I said, you know, can I get like a like a Honda Accord for like 5,000? And they both looked at me like, you're out of your mind. Like there's <laughs> no way that'll ever happen. And that's how, you know, I would say I'm delusional, but you, you just forget a couple decades go by and all of a sudden things are just priced differently. I mean, you, you know, you think about it, a lot of times a, a person's home is actually their biggest, that, that's where they've made the most money from their house. Yeah. In comparison to other, uh, other things they've done, you yeah. know? Yeah, no doubt. And there's, and I'm going to give you one last example. So I, we purchased the condo years ago in 2002 and we paid, I think, 150000 
those are selling a little over 400,000 now. So in about a 20 year span with the, the greatest housing crash in the history of real estate, a, a pandemic that happened 100 years later, and they still are selling for two and a half times what they were. I hate to tell you what I paid for my first house. Please tell us. Thirty-nine nine. Thirty-nine nine, and it was it was in Gloucester by the water. It went, it, you know, it went up a hill, so I had an, a, a decent ocean view. Um, it was five hundred square feet. That's how big it was. Up on stilts, uh, wow. summer water. Right. It was it was really a cottage that I bought, but it was thirty-nine nine, and I think about that now in comparison to like what I pay for a car. You'll pay like three times that much for a car right now for for a brand new car. It's crazy. No kidding. And what's the and what's the if you know this? I don't. I know I don't. What what would be the, uh, an entry level property in Gloucester? So say you like you were just trying to get in, you know, even if it was a cottage type. All right. I think if I, I don't I don't know so much in Gloucester right now. Um, I know if you if you wanted like a condo or something like that, you could probably hit it for maybe like around five hundred thousand. <laughs> in that point. Yeah. <laughs> so attached to everyone else and everyone above you and below you and right. at, exactly. a half, at a half million dollars. Right. That's right. That's so funny to hear that now. And and back then though, at thirty nine nine, that might be like that's a lot, look, this is a lot of money. This is a big decision, you know. Well, it was actually the only thing I could afford that was in the paper. That's how you found out what was going on. I opened it I'm like, Oh wow, okay. The only thing. Was that the townsman or the globe or yeah, that was, I, I think it was, it, it had to be the Gloucester paper, the Gloucester Times or something like that. And I opened it up. No, I think it was the Boston Globe. It was the only thing. I'm like, oh, okay, something's in my price range. Oh, and so I, I held that house um, till 2013. Mm -hmm. Of course, I, I knocked it down. It was only 500 square feet. I mean, I woke up one morning and there was snow in the kitchen. That's how it was really oh, a cottage. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. I yeah. remember looking in the newspaper. I remember looking for apartments. Like 1999, looking through the Eagle Tribune, I'm like, "Deleted? What does deleted mean?" Like, <laughs> and all of so they always say it though, "Deleted, deleted." It was like all the time, and now you don't even see that word on a, apartment rentals on the but, internet. Right, but you know, I just, I just think, and you're hearing this a lot. So you, you do hear every a lot of people on the sidelines. They're sitting there waiting for the rates to go up. Yeah, they're they're nervous. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the opposite right now. I think it's a great time to buy. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and if and, and if you had to buy, you would. I mean, I bought. You know this. I bought a couple of properties in the last three or four years. And I don't mind telling people. And people were saying, you know, it's it's high right now. What are you doing? You're out of your mind. You know, so on and so forth. We don't know when it's high. We really don't know. Like when it's so what in '05, people like everything's good in '05, and then all of a sudden. Right. That, that turned quick and, and oh, yeah. rambling and, and nobody knew. We really didn't know. No, you could you could feel it out in the street. We're not yeah. feeling that now. I mean, like in 205, I remember I had 14 listings. It came to a halt. It wasn't a slowdown, a slight shift. It came to a halt. Right. It was it was bad. So, you know, it's it's totally different. You know what I'm noticing now a little bit more in this market, too? I'm noticing more problems with mortgage brokers and finance. There's been a couple of complaints from some of the agents on the team where they were on the list side. And, you know, there's, there's somebody that was the buyer brought a mortgage broker in 
and you know everything had apparently been checked, uh, and it, it it was not, and they had a problem. And the mortgage broker extended several times during the transaction. Also, one of the um, agents had a problem with. Um, I don't think the I don't think the mortgage broker was on the up and up regarding okay. uh, you know their house. They said they were going to rent it out and get income, and it hadn't been rented. It's something something like that. I don't know the whole story. Yeah, but I think in this market too, these buyers really have to be aware of who they're going to for mortgage brokers. Yeah, you know, luck, luckily we have somebody on our team, her husband, that now what we're going to do is we're going to say to our seller, look. We're, you know, we're going to we're going to check that mortgage broker ourselves. You know, I always do that. And I know you always do that. You know, yeah. what, did, what did you run on this buyer? OK, because that's when they'll talk to you before the offer gets accepted. But then after that, you start losing a little bit of control over it as a, as a listing agent. So now what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have uh, the, this mortgage broker that we do a lot of business with check out the other mortgage broker, how long you've been doing this, reputation, things like that, because we don't want any problems with yeah. the financing down the road. No, it's so true. It's, it, it's, it's one of those things we definitely got to watch. In a multiple offer situation, we call, we call the lenders and ask them questions. Oh, absolutely. You know, but I, sometimes we get stuck with, you get one offer and one lender and it's, it's dodgy, you know? It's one of those things you're like, oh goodness, we're gonna have to deal with the situation. Right. And I think, you, you know, you're kind of thinking like, I mean, think of it from our business. You've got some realtors that are really good and know what they're doing. And there's some like, they, you know, they have no idea. Right. So it's, just, it's you know, you're putting somebody's financing in the same position with somebody that may have no idea what they're doing. This may be their first, second, or you want to, you know, maybe they're not that ethical, you know, and they're, they're just trying to slide this buyer through and, and, and what happens is it, you know, now the poor seller is at the mercy of all, all this, you yeah. know? So, yeah. That's a, really that's, good point. that's a really good point. You know, we talk about all the time, you need to screen the realtors, but they really need to screen, screen these lenders, you know, because how many lenders are out of the business now? And all of a sudden it doesn't look like there's that many. Right. I mean, there's not a lot of refinancing going on right now. So they're really focused on the purchase, um, purchase price. And a lot of them, you know, they, they must be, you know, must be hard for business for them, you know, yeah. but uh, we've noticed that in a couple of situations lately where, and this is what we kind of came up for, for, for a solution. We're going to have somebody that we really trust. Who's always done a great job for us, you know, uh, really get a hold of this, you know, do some background check as far as, you know, the mortgage broker, a little bit, things like that to kind of help us out. Cause we don't know. I mean, we, we, you know, we can only go by what some, you know, call the mortgage broker and basically like, what have you checked on them? And right. you, you can usually tell by, you know, how they say it to you. Oh, you know, Oh, don't worry about him. He's I've done like five transactions with him. His whole family's done business with me and it's pretty much a local mortgage broker. You mm -hmm. feel a little bit more confident in comparison to somebody who says, Oh, I, you know, I checked their credit. You know, they, you know, they, they work, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, just, you just want to get the lender talking, you know, right. like, you know, how, how well do you know them? They say, I don't really know them. <laughs> it gets a little uncomfortable. Right. Exactly. So I, I think that that's, um, I think if you're a buyer in this market, that's really important too. You get to get the right mortgage broker. hundred percent. That's great advice. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. The Realtors Playbook. This is our first episode. So 
you'll see us on the uh, Apple podcast and Spotify. So definitely subscribe and we'll see you at the next one. Thank <laughs> you.